It's the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with co-host Catherine Brandt, Mike Molina, Andy Ray Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. This is the Tom Bernard Show with uh, Doug Sprinthal. Doug, what's going on at Walzer right now? Well, we tallied up uh, our Stuff the Sleigh drive. We partnered with Channel 5 News, Minneapolis and St. Paul Police Federation. I was picking up toys last week for two straight days. We presented them on Friday, and KSDP called, and they counted them. Mm-hmm. It's over 5,000 toys Holy and $20,000 in cash donations. Nice. Fantastic. It was, just, it was really quite moving. So that's what we did. We don't sell cars all the time. If you want to buy one, you can go to walzer.com and see all the deals. But I'm more interested in talking about that because that's the season we're in. So You are the passive salesman. I like that. It, it works amazingly well. Rather than, <laughs> hey, you want to buy a car? Come on <laughs> now. Crazy Come on, Walzer. Walzer. <laughs> Cars, cars, cars. That's fantastic. So you guys you guys got a lot of toys for the kids, a lot of money to help out the people that need it most at this time yeah, of year. That was great. And it's uh, it, it, Stuff the Sleigh is sort of a forerunner of Toys for Tots. Toys for Tots is done by the, the armed forces, and Stuff the Sleigh is a police deal. And Tom had a uh, uncle, I guess, who used to do that back in the 40s and 50s, give mm-hmm. out toys to underprivileged kids. He was a Minneapolis cop, so... That's all I got. Now you can say Walzer.com and we'll start the show. Well, let's just say this instead. That's why you have to support companies like Walzer.com and Walzer uh, Automotive Dealers because they care about the community. They give back. So check it out, Walzer.com. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom, I'm Dave Schrader. I'll be here with you guys next week. Tom will be back tomorrow. Yes. Right? He will be back tomorrow. Also back in studio. Alex is here. Tim Dennis is here. we got a full studio going. Ellie, Nick coming in today, do we know? I believe so. He usually comes in second hour, though. Yes. Excellent. All good news. Exciting stuff. Oh, we got some bad news to start off the show with. Oh, yay. Maybe it's only bad news to a few of us. Did you guys grow up on Scooby-Doo? Did you watch that show? Did yes. You? I'm a little yeah. old for that. Really? 
Catherine? I watched it, yes. Wasn't a big fan? Uh, it was okay. Well, the uh, name Heather North <laughs> might not be that well known, but her voice should be instantly recognized by viewers Bella? of the original Scooby-Doo series. The actress who has died at the age of 71 provided Daphne. the voice of wealthy, oh, danger-prone teen Daphne Blake. Daphne was the... The brune, redhead. The, <gasps> in the purple skirt. I loved her because yeah. I thought she that is. I was her. <laughs> oh, <see. laughs> Two seconds ago, she's playing all coy. Did you want yeah. Scooby Doo? Uh, well, yeah, I don't really yeah. care for it. Other than the redheaded girl. Right. So yes. I love the rest yeah. of the Anything with the suck. redhead on, it's okay with me, Gilly. Like, what a shame, man. She's gone. Wow. Uh, she, was, she did voices in the different series between 1970 to 1985, then again. When uh, the series came back in 2000 and in 2003, a family friend told The Hollywood Reporter Tuesday that North died at her California home on November 30th after a long illness. North began voicing Daphne in the second season of the first series after the departure of Stefiana Christensen. Another name lost to time, it appears. Uh, that's, wow. <laughs> what do you say? It's, um, I voiceover people are like the most underrated people because without oh, them all yeah. of these shows would have never yeah. existed That's very most true. people have no clue who they were other well, than nancy cartwright right yeah everybody well, knows yeah. her and then or there's Dan everybody else. Yeah. well it seems like it's there's a big trend to use huge movie stars for a lot of voiceover yeah it's now, kind of annoying so movies, it is yeah. kind of annoying well they don't yeah but in the tv series they don't no. actually the guy that played um, um well, that played shaggy in the movie reboot ended up taking over the voice from casey Kasem. For the cartoons. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know I that. I can't remember his name. Matthew oh. Lillard. Yeah, Matthew Lillard. Yeah, ended up he's doing in a bunch of stuff. And then uh, Mindy Cohen, who was mm-hmm. Natalie on uh, the TV show uh, right. Facts of Life, took over as the voice of Velma. So, but you do have just a stupid bunch amounts of, of knowledge, wealth of useless <laughs> knowledge. Yeah. And the guy that's done Fred Useful is still for alive. A podcast, though. Has continued doing Fred and now took over the voice of Scooby Doo. So I'll take voice over for six hundred, yeah. Alice. That's the one. You yeah. know what? I sit there watching that. Uh, I used to watch Jeopardy with my mom all the time, and you'd get those. I'd sit there just knocking out answers left and right. She goes, "You got to try to get on Jeopardy." I said, "Mom, you realize the day I get on Jeopardy, right. my topics are like ancient Incan yeah. architecture, yeah. Italian yeah. astrophysicists for." Pottery, yeah. pottery from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. It's stuff I would never get. You want to talk about an old voice actor? Scrooge McDuck's voice actor, the original one, oh, yeah. just stopped doing that voice a couple years ago. Well, that's because really? he died. Must well, have been a million. Oh he was, yeah, he was like in his late 90s. He was the. Vo- he, it was Wilbur from uh, uh, Mr. Ed. Oh, was he really? Yeah. You're yeah. He was doing me. that voice for a long yeah. time. Wilbur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the new one uh, is they've got the new reboot of uh, DuckTales, and the new voice is David Tennant. DuckTales. Woo woo. David Tennant. You guys watch yeah. that Doctor all the time. Doctor Who, the 10th Doctor. But- so is he British now? No, he's Scottish. Okay, still but, Scottish, well, good. David Tennant is Scottish. When he played the doctor, he did it with an English accent. Right, but I don't think of Tennant. David Tennant is like, you know, the man of a many faces. So Actually, he's done quite a bit since he left. He's been on uh, that Jessica Jones yep, series. Jessica Jones. He, he plays Kildare. Oh, yeah, this was is like watching a tennis match Broad between Church. Dave and Andy. Oh, yeah. Broadchurch. Yeah. That was a good... Right, yeah, he was the was Shaggy lead cop. That's oh, okay. David Tennant. So. Really good. I thought you said Shaggy was the guy who played him in the movies. <laughs> Well played. And Good luck. We're now going to play the first round of Jeopardy. And here are the categories for you. Civil servants. Stamps from around the world. Mothers and sons. Beer. Bar trivia. And finally, 
celibacy. Cliff, could I get you to pick a category and an amount? Why don't you go ahead and pick anyone you want? I mean, I am feeling lucky today. I don't remember this episode. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, the Jeopardy. But I love the smugness of Alex Trebek. Yeah, oh, yeah. You've right. got all the answers yeah, right. in a card. Like, Dude, it's on the card yeah. right in front of you. No, yeah. no, you idiot. The answer was Scrooge McDuck. Yes. I know. He acts like he the wrote well all known. of the questions and knows all the answers. Yeah, I love like, that when he says the well-known, like you're right. really like, an idiot. I Nikolai the, uh, Tesla. I'm surprised the contestants didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My favorite one was when um, this contestant uh, got a city wrong. And Alex Trebek goes, oh, no, it was uh, New Delhi. Hurts to miss that one. And the guy was Indian. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, because like I know right about... SNL it doesn't mean know, he ever lived in India. I know about every Indian city because I am Indian. And I don't think the guy was even from India. I'll take the rapist for 500 That's therapist, Mr. Connery. <laughs> the Saturday Night Live ones, did you see those? No. Oh, yeah. I'll take an anal bum cover. That's an album cover, Mr. Connery. Oh, my God. David Cross and... Uh, Yes. Arrested uh, Development. He became an analyst and a therapist, and his card was called Anal, anal Rapist. Yeah. <laughs> do, anal, do we have a call? Is that okay. uh, what's, what that magical light is telling me? Who's on the yes. line? So we got Joe from Louisville. Hey, Joe from Louisville. Howdy, Dave. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm kind of irritated. Why is that, sir? I saw The Last Jedi Friday. Oh. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> and? <laughs> I'm not happy. No, why not? Be specific. Without uh, swearing. I can't. I, 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 can't, I can't. I can't, but I can't. Um, I know exactly what you mean. I saw it and I walked out and I went, I don't know how I feel about this movie. It seems like pretty much anyone who liked the original Star Wars movies when they were younger don't like these ones. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that, Andy. Well, because um, they're the same movies? Yeah. That's... <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Um... George Lucas did say he sold it to Disney for the next generation. And it's... uh... Well, Mark Hamill just came out and said that he uh, was a little disappointed that they didn't lean a little bit more on George Lucas because Lucas had kind of mapped out an idea for the third series. And they said, no, 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 we're Disney. And they took it over completely. And so Mark Hamill's been pretty... Uh, outspoken about the series and that he he hasn't liked the direction. What do you say, Timmy? He did all that working out and getting in shape for the for the uh, last one. Yeah, and not only that, but he had he had gone to Ryan Johnson and he he lobbied quite hard about the way Ryan Johnson had written the script and said, I don't think that Luke would have done this. That this this isn't the direction Luke would have gone with this entire script and uh, and in the entire story and and. Uh, even though Ryan tried to explain, well, this is my vision, and this is the way I see it, eventually he acquiesced and said, okay, it's your story, it's your movie, I get it. But he, it, it, it kind of seems like he, he did it, the entire thing under protest. Well, fact, so did Daisy uh, uh, Ridley, is that yeah, her name? Yeah, yeah. Both of them really have not had any interest in this movie. They right. both were saying that they protested a lot of the decisions. Uh, yeah. 
So yeah, you're not you're not alone in this, uh, then, Joe. Unfortunately, that is uh, that's kind of the vibe everybody's getting on the new Star Wars movie. Biggest box office in a while. They protested yeah. the decisions, and then Disney said, "Here, have three hundred million dollars." And they were like, "Oh, actually, that's." Uh, I feel better now. Yeah, yeah. you know what? I, maybe this is the way Luke would have done it. I don't know. I will do this movie. Well, I think uh, you know, he they had him work out and get back in shape for the last movie, and he's in the last yeah. eight seconds of the movie, and all wearing he does these, is pull his hood down. Yeah, wearing these robes, it's like, yeah. oh, good thing I'm so yeah, worked out so much. Yeah, good uh, good use of time. Uh, so I'm sorry you're disappointed by the movie. You know what's a good one though, Joe? Go see Jumanji. It looks good. It, it is. looks horrible. It's really what? good. It looks good. It's you're really not a boy. What? It looks terrible. Is well, Joe I gone? absolutely hate Kevin Hart. Oh, oh, yeah, that'd then be, don't go see it, problem. Alex. He drives me crazy. But you know what? The the entire movie, uh, The Rock and Jack Black steal this movie. They are so good in this. And it's not a reboot of the series. It's it's an updated version. As yeah. a matter of fact, there's a really nice nod to Robin Williams oh. and his character in this movie. That's good. I so, don't know. The Rock is usually fun to watch. Well, yeah, I like yeah. The Rock. I just, Kevin Hart just... His voice, I'm just like, <laughs> and it fits for what don't he's get me doing. Wrong. I, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. I like I like Star Wars, I like The Last Jedi, but I don't like the outcome. Well, I don't like oh, the ending. Think of, like? think of Empire uh, uh, Strikes Back, though, Joe. When that movie um, came out, that irritated a lot of people. You, you end up breaking up the, the main team, you've killed off Han Solo essentially. People kind of, you know, I remember that because I grew up right in that heat of the moment. People didn't really like Empire Strikes Back. It's become a classic, and it's become one of the favorites of the original trilogy, but it is still not, uh, it was not well-received when it came out. As a matter of fact, there was an article when the reboot of the uh, series, when they started doing the prequels, they went back and looked at two of the biggest uh, uh, theater critics, uh, Siskel and Niebuhr, who panned Star Wars when it first came out. And it's one of the only movies that they went back and said, oh, well, maybe we were wrong. It might be better than we originally gave it credit for. I mean, it's al- it's always been for younger audiences. Like, sure. you know, from 14 to 20, That that's like probably the primary demographic, and I don't think that's changed. I don't know that Andy, it's... I saw, Andy, I saw Star Wars for the first time when I was five, and I found love. <laughs> I couldn't wait for Empire to come out. Empire came out. Me and my brother were supposed to be going to see um, Chuck Norris's uh, Silent Rage. No, we went and saw Empire Strikes Back. Good times. With, with uh... and then we went and saw, and then I moved out to Evergrove Heights, and I was supposed to go see. Uh, I don't know, and, and um, another stupid movie, but I went in to see Return of the Jedi. You can't kill the you can't kill the Star Wars nut. Well, you know, Joe, I, I've told Tim and Lammers I can out Star Wars both him and Last Mental hmm. on any good day. A Star Wars off? We need to see that on video. Yeah, Joe, well, is, is it fair to say, Joe, this is probably your frustration? Your frustration is this. You think you know these characters from the first three movies, and in these last two, uh, you you see these characters and they act completely different from the characters you think you know. No, my frustration is they're dead. <laughs> well, oh, nice spoiler well, alert, Joe. You gotta Have a good rest of the day yeah. and well, I mean, uh, Merry for, Christmas. Well, I mean, if you haven't seen The Force Awakens and seen, yeah, The Force Awakens <laughs> is uh, not new at this point. I. I think the statute of limitations is probably passed on that one. 
Exactly. But it's like, you know, and then, you know, it's no secret that Leia's, Leia's actress is not alive anymore, so there's not a whole lot you can do with that. But it's, yeah. No, that's what I said. Go see Jumanji. Get the bad taste of Star Wars out of your mouth, Joe. You'll enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> we got to get rolling. we got a commercial coming up. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas right. to you and yours, Joe. Merry Christmas, Dave. Thank you very much. Did you, uh, Alex, did you see the original Jumanji? Oh, yeah. I and, just watched it again like a month ago. It was on TV. Oh. And you like it? And Fawn was a, yeah. See, this is, this I think you'll enjoy because they really play it well. They've got, um... A, a different vibe to the whole thing and the fact that it's a bunch of kids yeah. that get sucked into a video game in yeah. adult positions. Yeah. And it's watching these adults act like 10-year-old and, uh-huh. and 14-year-old kids. And it's really kind of a clever premise. And then to have Jack Black be the hot girl. Yeah. I like Jack Black a and, lot. And he wins this movie. Yeah, hands down. I love It is him. such a funny movie for that. I, and I went in, I was never a fan of the first Jumanji. I thought it was just okay. okay. But I thought what they lost me on was the fact that they didn't develop a story. They just went with... Look at how cool our CGI is, and they really went overboard with this. Uh, yeah. with, with that, in this one they've got a great story and great CGI, so it's kind of a nice little combination of characters okay. throughout it. But if yeah, if you like that stuff, I think you'll enjoy if the. If I can Jumanji. tolerate Kevin Hart for two hours. Yeah, well, it's only ninety minutes, so you okay. should be okay. And he's Maybe. he's just a small portion, and, and he gets abused a lot, so you okay. should enjoy that Good. aspect of it. No, it's it's just, just, he's basically this this generation's um, Chris Rock. Is what he is. He's, he's, he's loud. He's, he's loud, and he's like or the Chris butt, Tucker. He's the butt of the joke. Maybe I meant Chris Tucker. Who's the yeah. one? You that, meant Chris Tucker. Who's the one that was in Rush Hour? You meant Chris, Chris Tucker. Tucker. Chris Tucker. Yes, yes yeah. him. Yeah, because yeah, he's he's short. He's loud, and he's always the butt of the joke. Right. And yet he's never like you know he's never the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, He's Jar Jar Binks. You're right. That's the yes, exactly. He is he is the Jar Jar Binks of the series. Uh, I also saw uh, Pitch Perfect three last night. On my I own. Didn't oh, how was it? We're out. I liked it. It was a really good little wrap up to the series. Okay. And it gives you a nice little send off for all the characters. And uh, I, you know, my daughters love the Pitch Perfect series. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, took, wait. Took that, that's understandable. But right. you went by yourself. Yeah, no, no, I meant it. <laughs> I, I, it took my two daughters okay. with me. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. But I mean, that's I mean, key. I meant piece. to say. I meant to say. I went on my own accord. I wasn't forced yeah. to do oh. this. So I took yeah. my daughters. Went solo trip. Did you ever meet John Benet Ramsey when you? Eliza Manella's story was filled. Yes, it was, uh, but it was a good movie. It's another fun one. I'll give that one out of four stars, a solid three, three and a half stars. Jumanji, definitely, uh, I think, another three and a half stars. Are we talking for, for their respective audiences? Or are yes. you saying, like. All across the board. I thought they were just entertaining all the way around. Uh, we've got more stories to share. We've got a guest coming up. We'll take a break. We'll be back. I'm Dave Schrader filling in. This is The Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. As a locally owned community bank, we pride ourselves on individually crafted financial solutions and quick response times. H&B Elevators, a Minneapolis manufacturer known worldwide for custom elevator designs, had an option to buy their headquarters. We stepped in to get the deal done with SBA and Urban Initiative financing. See an opportunity too good to pass up? Stop in. We'll make it happen. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. LASIK changed my life. Dr. David Whiting changed my life. He can get rid of those contacts, get rid of those glasses, and truly change your life. He's performed over 100,000 LASIK procedures, so there's no one else around who can compare. Let me tell you. If you're thinking about having your eyes corrected, check out Dr. Whiting and the folks over at Whiting Clinic. They've got the most advanced lasers. They've got the most experience 
and they've got the best price guaranteed. All the reasons you'd choose Whiting Clinic for your LASIK vision correction. Make this year the year that you get LASIK from Dr. David Whiting. Schedule your free LASIK exam at whitingclinic.com and please tell them I sent you. That's whitingclinic.com to take the first step in having clear lens-free vision at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. I just want you here tonight Holding on to me so tight Girl, what can I, I do? Michael Bublé. The amount he slurs is obnoxious. Slurs? I don't know what you're talking about. Play Kung Fu Christmas. Kung Fu Christmas. I love Michael Bublé. I love that song. The bubble. The Bublé. He's a good, uh, he's got a great, I love the Harry Connick Christmassy stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Bublé's son doing well. He had brain cancer, didn't he? Last I heard he was in remission. We talked about this like a week ago. Yeah, but I mean, but nobody actually knows because he has, he didn't do his Christmas special last year because right, of it, because and of then that. he didn't do it. Do it. I don't think so. Buble's son had liver cancer, apparently. Liver? Yeah, he was like four. Or something. Oh. He had some kind of cancer, and I yeah. think he's it's fine now. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Is, Is he, he doing still his retired? Christmas special? I don't think he's doing it this year. He's not. No, there's somebody else that just came forward mm-hmm. that has a Christmas special this year. I was kind of surprised by, but. Uh, no, I can't remember Gwen Stefani had one. Yeah, oh. Keith Richards. Uh. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas special. That sounds like me. <laughs> I just sit there whole and cough and smoke. Whole time he's just got a straw in the old eggnog. Oh. Do you remember? Uh, I love eggnog. Did you grow up watching the, the Friday night videos? That yes. Show, right? Mm-hmm. It was the precursor to MTV. Mm-hmm. Friday night videos, and they had Keith Richards on there hosting. And it was the funniest. I called my dad back, and he's like, what? And I go, listen to your boy, because my dad loved the Stones. And he's like, the Eurythmics. And my dad goes, what the hell did he just say? I go, I have no clue, but I think we're going to listen to the Eurythmics. And then the song had come on. One of my favorite music shows was Jules Holland. Mm -hmm. And he's always the same. Have you ever seen that show? It's actually great. No. So he was the keyboard player for Squeeze, and he's a plays on everybody's records, knows everybody, and he'll have like four bands set up in a semicircle mm-hmm. and they get turns playing, but it's like, and he always says this, he has the same introduction, and now for my good friend, Jeff Beck! And Jeff Beck will start playing, and, they, and now for my good friend! And it's like, how do you get all these people into the studio once? If you're a, mus- a musical fan, Drug dealer. look them up. <laughs> Drug dealer, That'd yeah. That'd be my guess. Yeah, there's a keyboard player. <laughs> Yeah, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. There you go. Well, there, yeah, that's been kind of the key deal. I just watched the documentary on uh, YouTube regarding the Do They Know It's Christmas CD, mm-hmm. which, you know, that was the first time that they'd ever pulled together all of these musicians. It, was it for, that or, or was it We Are the World? No, like, We Are the World was, a, was after was, that. Okay, they were about that. almost the same time, right? Well, actually, no, the, the one came out the one year, and then they that kind of inspired the American artists to stay, say, we've got to do something as well. And... Um, it's really fascinating because you watch, I mean, the Boomtown Rats were not hitting very well. Bob Geldof, Geldof right? from yep. the Boomtown Rats. And then he watched this documentary about Africa. And he's like, we've got to do something. And he called Midyear and they got together and created this idea. And he said, I've written the song. And he starts banging out a little bit of the song. And Midyear's like, that's really horrible. I think I can fix it. <laughs> and he goes, the whole idea. And this song is so uh, unbelievably dark. But it's it's just, and it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's just so... It's got this great bubbly beat to it, but you listen to the lyrics on it, and it's like the only uh, the, the Christmas bells though here are the clanging chimes of doom. Yeah, and uh, and then of course Bono's 
key line when he's mm-hmm. yelling out, you know, which could be the worst song ever in a charity song. And this year, thank God it's them instead of you. Oh, so, yeah, re- yeah. yeah. The Brits right. really seem to think Christmas is a depressing affair. Yeah. Well, and it, what they were doing was trying to make the sense of it all, and I liked it. But it was it was great to see the way they – he just literally picked up the phone and started calling people, and he said, this is what I'm doing. I have a recording studio. Can you come in? And they're like, yeah, we'll try. And then he, whoever would show up, he'd record the whole song with them one by one mm-hmm. in case nobody else showed up. Oh, okay. And then he sort of mixed them it all together. together. Yeah. They had 24 hours to record it edit wow. it and produce it and get it out the door. Jeez. So literally, after 24 hours, they took the, the original pressing over to a radio station, introduced what they were doing with it, released the album. It sold millions of copies. They were selling them at, like, fish stands, anywhere you could put them out for records. Wow. And all the money went directly to the uh, to the uh, Africa Relief deal. But that spawned the American version then with Live Aid. Oh, yeah, I remember that now that you've... Reminded me, which was go. great too, man. Live Aid was just Live one of the neatest mm-hmm. things. Did you watch it? I, mm-hmm. I think I, did. I, I tried to stay up as long as I could to watch as much of it as I could as they bounce back and forth between Europe and America to show those concerts. But that's you never you'll never see anything like that again. Well, and the the first deal was George Harrison in nineteen seventy Bangladesh the concert right. for yep. Bangladesh. Right. That was just that's a terrific. If you can get through the twenty minutes of Ravi Shankar in the beginning, right? Yeah, it's really there's some great Aww. scenes in there. <laughs> and, and I know I appreciate him a little bit, but when I saw that when I was 12, I'm like, I, we came to see Eric Clapton. <laughs> That's like watching the Monterey Pop Festival videos. Yeah. You're like, who is this band and why are they up there with all of these other legends? Right. And uh, even um, uh, Woodstock. Yeah. Sha Na We've got Sha Na on today, as a matter of fact. Oh, we've really? Got, yeah, we've got um, Jacko. Of? Is going to wow. be on, but they, they were the, I think they were the second to last yeah, band Hendrix to go on. Yeah, Hendrix was the last band to play. Yeah, that's what and they I said. They Sean opened up right for, for Hendrix uh, that night. Could you imagine that? You're sitting there watching the likes of, uh, who all did they have there? I mean, it was well, crazy. Carlos Santana, they had Canned Heat, they had Jefferson Airplane. I mean, they had Right, they had, uh, uh, what's her name? The, the, Ta- uh, me the and who? my Bobby McGee, who was uh, that? Uh, Janis Joplin. Joplin was there. Uh, the Who, that was the first time they played Tommy. Was yeah. It was Woodstock. So you've got all these bands, and then you slip in Sha Na Na, which is great because it was upbeat, good music to probably get people rebooted into the into the show. But uh, I love that Hendrix was the last one in there, blew everybody away. And then because of that, they brought Hendrix to open up for the Monkees. Yes, I know. I, and I think that lasted like five or six shows. Yeah. And then they went, yeah, 12-year-old girls and this well, guy's he's like... riffing, and they're like, this guy is amazing. They're listening to him jam, and the Monkees are all into it. And the crowd's just cheering, we want Davey. Yeah. So in his last show, he just starts flicking off the audience, throws his guitar down, and walks off halfway through the show. That's the, that's rock and roll for you. That it. is. That's you a don't see that kind of stuff going flipping on Flipping off 12-year-old girls. News reports that it looks like a Dunder, Dunder Mifflin will be returning to prime time. TV Line reports oh, really? that NBC is planning to revamp the office for the 2018-19 season. The first big caveat, of course, Steve Carell will not be back. I was going to say. Yeah, the search is currently underway for an actor to play the new general manager. The report says some of the original characters would be back, though no names have been mentioned. I would guess it's got to be probably most of the cast that has never so. done a thing since. Actually, well, there's a really cool, it's a two-season detective story starring Rain Wilson. I think it's called Baxter. <gasps> yeah, it's, it's so good. It was, but they didn't give it any real promotion. Like, no. And it came no. and went. Oh my gosh, it was it so good. It was really good. good. He was really good uh-huh. in that. But, but John, yeah, John 
Kaczynski, I think he's gone on to do some production and stuff behind. He the does scenes. a lot of voiceover stuff. So, yeah, too. I don't know where. I don't know who's going to come back on it. But most of the staff, you I don't know, see them in anything. Mindy Kaling has the had Project, her own right, show. Yeah, that's, yeah, was just on Hulu, and now it's done. Yeah. Or it's going to be done this, this no, is the I last think that, season. Yeah, I think it just ended the, the final okay. season. So, yeah, I don't know who else they're going to bring back on it, but these... Uh, Pam hasn't been in anything. Jenna Fisher, no. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Just there's nothing Andy left. Bernard. Who? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen Meredith in a few things. She's been in a couple of oh, Walking yeah. Girls. And Kevin. And, but they always kind of play the same kind of characters yeah. that they played in yeah. the office. Yeah. So yeah. How, could just, not, how could you play anything other than yeah. Kevin if you look like Kevin? <laughs> well, have you yeah, ever seen world-renowned brain surgeon? Kevin. Yeah. No. Have you ever seen him in like um, behind-the-scenes like interviews? Uh-uh. Is he it's the same weird person? hearing like he sounds like he's got a pretty high IQ, and it's weird. Well, I'm sure you probably do to have to play a role that dumb and make yeah. it seem convincing. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Well, his googly eyes make it. He's like that you got, other guy. You gotta ask yourself though, what are the higher ups at NBC? Like, is this the creative thinking, like, hey, we're gonna reboot The Office, just like we did with Will and Grace? What's next? Friends, Frasier, Seinfeld. Like, yeah. come on. Well, you know, I the, mean, in, the one defense that they have is that in uh, England, they would come back and they'd do some Office specials <clears throat> that really did well. So it's again, if, if you're gonna just like do a quick in and out revisit, Maybe that'd be a good little plan. I, I'm mm. curious to see how Roseanne is going to be accepted. Yeah, there you go. That yeah, comes that's, out in 2018. That's, that's a weird one. Yeah, especially since she's kind of disliked big time now. Is she? Yeah. What'd she do? Ever since the whole Super Bowl thing, people just have not liked her. Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Super Bowl. Are you talking about Roseanne? Yeah. 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 What did she do Roseanne at Super Bowl? Roseanne Barr? Yeah. Yes. When she sang and grabbed her crotch. No, I think, was, I think uh, it was a World baseball game or something. Oh, yeah. sorry. Not that it, yeah. But that was also right. like the same thing. That was also like 40 years ago I know, but she, but she kind of disappeared for quite some time. And then mm, she, she did. did Vegas for a while, I think. Yeah. And uh, she, well, she hasn't talk, done it. She had a talk show for a while. Yeah, I, I but get nothing's, where you're at. But nothing's, nothing has clicked for her ever since she did that is ever what I'm saying. Ever since she broke up with Tom Arnold. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, maybe. What's clicked for Tom? Where's he today? He's done some small things. Well, he did True Lies. He did a, quite yeah, a bit of things after that. 20 years ago. Right, but yeah, I still think that was more ago. relevant than uh, Roseanne in Probably. the last 20 years. Yeah, I know my exactly. wife is cringing it's, right it's, now. It's odd that, I think it's odd that they're bringing that show back, personally. Yeah. But you back know, American Idol, too, <laughs> and now they want to talk about their recasting Ocean's 8. Like, Right. Now that's going to be a prequel? Uh, uh, I think so. It's got to be, right? Because how do you dive back to... I look forward to Ocean's One in 2025. <laughs> Just one guy. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Billy Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I don't know. The reboots are are interesting. Roseanne might work just because of the current environment, but I think they're going to take a political slant. Yeah, I'm sure they are. And I think that might wear on people pretty quick. Well, how are they going to justify the end of the original series, though? Well, just like turns... they probably did with uh, Will and Grace, they just made the the end of yeah. the series not happen. Uh, no, it was a. They it start off that dream. first episode, and Karen's kind of zoned out on the couch, and then when they wake her up oh. after they're having their regular Will and Grace conversation, they're like, "Karen, Karen, Karen," and they break her out of it. And she goes, "Oh my God, didn't you guys have kids? Weren't you married? Didn't you do this?" And they're like, "No." So and that was it. Roseanne's. The fact that Ro- the entire series was Roseanne's delusion is going to be someone else's delusion. Well, now. it was only the last <laughs> year 
was a delusion for her. Oh, was it the last year? Yeah, when they won the oh, lottery. Yeah, that was so weird. And when she said that, and Dan left her for his nurse. I don't even think I watched She said she preferred year. to think yeah, of it yeah. that way than the fact that he had really died of a heart attack. So they're going to have to bring him back from the dead. They have to mm-hmm. not, no longer be millionaires. It'll all be new to me because I don't remember. I didn't watch the last couple of seasons. Yeah. So. Here's a superstar idea. They should remake All in the Family, and here's who plays <laughs> Archie Bunker. <laughs> they did that. Bill O'Reilly. Who did they do? Uh, it was a black uh, actor, and it was called like Two Two Seven Hauser Street or something like that. Do you remember? And never even mm-hmm. heard of that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. May- maybe Andy can look it up. It was a reboot of All in the Family. Family, and it was a black guy. They bought the house, and it was the, the exact family. same. Oh yeah, the family. <laughs> so my kids always used to say, "This is my family." Uh, so it's part of my lexicon, unfortunately, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you they don't still stay Paschetti, do you? No, <laughs> it's okay, Steady. Get it right. Sorry. Spring Sorry, thaw. it blew up. Capitator. What? Capitator? Caterpillar? Oh, instead of Caterpillar? Yeah. My daughter, had, when we got married, my second wife, and my daughter was the flower girl. She's walking on the, the aisle throwing flowers. She gets about halfway, and she stops and looks at us, and she goes, I'm all out of fowlers! <laughs> and we're like, just keep coming, honey. <laughs> our little southern bell. Yes. I love the uh, looks mis- like our guest is on. It oh, does. we have our guest on. All right, uh, let's uh, let's go. And do I have my information on this as well? I'd, I'd yeah, like to access that. That'd be great. Oh, there it is. There we go. We've got uh, Brittany is with us right now. Brittany Gibbons, and uh, wow, fifty nine thousand social media followers. Uh, she's an acclaimed blogger and body image advocate dedicated to helping women learn to love their body in any shape and reinvent how society sees beauty. Clothes make the girl. Look Fat is a hilarious and heartfelt memoir, and with it, Gibbons gives readers a fierce yet thoughtful commentary on fashion culture. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for joining us, Brittany. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to turn this over to the ladies because uh, I'm sure they have Because he's afraid a much... of you. No, not at all. I just, I'm just... No probably idea not what here. to say. He's yeah. afraid of fashion. Although I am built like a pregnant woman and probably could use some fashion <laughs> advice, uh, yeah, this is this is great. So you've got you're talking about the body image set. Now, do you see that there's a big change <laughs> coming? Because I've seen a lot more of that uh, with advertising on TV, um, in in uh, print ad. They seem to be going for uh, a, a myriad of different body images instead of what they just used to with the, you know, Cindy Crawford type uh, models. Yeah, I mean, even in the last like years, just the evolution of how we've been sort of treating how women are seen in the media has changed in a huge way, which is pretty amazing. You know, it's so funny because when I saw that you were going to be on the calendar um, last week, I think I saw some emails flying back and forth, and I was at my uh, daughter's house, who is here, by the way, and she's a little tiny thing, and Mm -hmm. her husband said something about a size eight. He's like, yeah, some gigantic woman and i'm like an eight is gigantic now i'm like uh-oh i'm a a two so eight seems Mm. huge well Mm -hmm. to him yeah i'm sure i guess (laughs) i don't know but i mean i was like oh dear well it's like i watch this online show and they must all be pretty short because they said that uh some guy they said he was pretty tall and he was like five nine and it's like, okay, well, sure. Well, for Hollywood, so it's it's yeah, all rel- it's all relative. True. I remember Famous when they opened basketball player. And when they opened up Planet Hollywood here, and I was at the opening, a lot of those celebrities walked by, and I was like, man, you are really short. There's just that. Yeah, Minnesota or 
rather tall. Listen, we're, uh, Brittany, we do have a break we're coming up against. You can hang in and we'll chat a little bit about this and, and talk about the changes that are going on, how we can deal with body shaming, uh, loving yourself a little bit more. We'll talk about that when we return. This is the Tom Bernard Show. My pillow is the holiday gift that keeps on giving. Long after the bath and body soaps have washed down the drain and the new treadmill has been turned into a clothes rack, your My Pillow gift will be guaranteeing your friends and family a great night's sleep. Buy one My Pillow and get one free online with my code KQRS or call my special offer number at 800-694-2056. Buy one, get one at mypillow.com, keyword KQRS or call 800-694-2056. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper, and neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. What about around the world, around the world, around the world, around the world? I don't know. Yeah, but you don't, you're, not, you're not telling the world, thank God that you're not the one starving. Thank God it's them, not That's you. That's true. just kind of a depressing theory. Uh, Brittany Gibbons is with us. Uh, Brittany, talking about uh, body shaming, do you see, are things getting better for that, or are we still uh, kind of in a, in a negative spiral with uh, the way we treat ourselves and each other? Um, well, I can't speak to the way we treat ourselves because we're all pretty terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that, like, culturally, we are moving in a more positive direction. You know, we're seeing representation um, in fashion. We're even seeing it on television in a way that we're not just sort of this funny best friend anymore. We actually are the leads in these stories. So anytime that we can show, especially younger women and young girls, you know, different types of bodies that perhaps look like them that's only going to be a positive and encouraging experience now is on on your bio here it says 67 percent of women would be considered plus size is that yes 67 percent of women in this country are plus size so that's Um, normal so that's the normal that's normal yes yeah um it really is and i think that it's a shocking statistic because we don't see those women we've spent years not seeing those women we're pretty well hidden and um not really represented across anything which is why having you know like this memoir anytime we can get anybody in front of any camera that is larger than say a size 14 or 16 you know we're showing the majority of the women that you know it's 
they have normal bodies that deserve to be dressed. They deserve to be seen and loved and have careers and all these amazing things, which are narratives we don't normally get for women at our size. And another thing I was I, I that I noticed was that you're saying that a lot of women can't even get dressed for galas in Hollywood. I mean, they can't find a designer yeah. to actually clothe them. Is that's insane? It is insane. I mean, it's it's offensive also. But I mean, even like huge stars coming out like Leslie Jones. Nobody would dress her recently, which is crazy because she's one of the hottest people right now. So, you know, not having access on a celebrity level, if you can imagine how painful it is for them, imagine how it is for just a normal woman level um, with no fame at all trying to find just, they just want jeans that fit. And so yeah, sort of, please. Um, you know, <laughs> telling them I get it and then sharing, you know, those funny stories, those painful stories, which is what I try to do just sort of makes it a little less isolating. It's amazing because I'm not a plus-size person, but I am, I'm tall. So mm -hmm. I a lot of times have to order jeans from catalogs that carry talls. It's so, it is, it's extra annoying. To just, shop at long, tall sales. Just to be a female trying to find clothes that fit. I mean, guys just don't even notice. You go into a high-end store, and they'll have zeros and twos on the rack. And mm -hmm. then if, if, you, if you need a six, they have to go in the back and get one for you because you're so humongous. <laughs> they wouldn't want to offend anyone's eyes with the size six out on the rack. Well, Siri has to shop in the kids' department for pants because yeah. she's so short. <laughs> you know, while 67% of women are plus size, 100% of women just struggle with their bodies and insecurity. This isn't just something that plus size women have a monopoly on. Um, you know, body hate and insecurity, it's not unique. It's not special to only us. So I think that it's really a topic that's pretty universal for our gender in general in this country. So I think it's, especially in the book, I think it's relatable across sizing. You know, there's a lot of play in the movies, too. I, I just was mentioning I went and saw Pitch Perfect 3 with my daughters last night. And, <laughs> you know, um, and I can never remember, Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson, yeah. She uh, plays the character Fat Amy, which I always thought, wow, why, you know, I know you're trying to own it, and if you disparage yourself first, then it's not as painful <laughs> when other people right. do it. But they, you know, she's clever. I like the way that she plays herself as though she's sexy, and, and you know, that's... That's it. But then you're trying to show this empowered woman who's strong, smart, sexy, and then give her a name like Fat Amy. I mean, does Hollywood just doesn't seem to grasp the concept on how to give an actual character. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's, it's been both fast and slow at the exact same time, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. having visibility has happened in a relatively short period of time, just being the past, like, maybe three to five years. But they're still sort of struggling to understand the concept that a woman who is plus size or even anything, even not even quite plus size, it's hard to even find, you know, sometimes a lead actress who's a size 10. Um, having that, they just don't understand that that's hugely marketable and, and that we enjoy seeing people who look like us. So it's, it's a struggle. They're getting there. It's baby steps. Yeah, I know they even gave uh, Carrie Fisher a lot of hell when they brought her back to the Star Wars franchise. They're like, we need Princess Leia, but we need half of Princess Leia. Really? Yeah. And she talked about that openly. She was like, yeah, I wanted the Barton to come back, but they, I think they told her to drop like 60 or 70 pounds for the movie. I mean, back Jeez. in the 70s, she was well known for being able to drop that much weight pretty quickly, if well, you know what I mean. I love a drug. Yeah. That was, that's, a whole, that's a whole other that was one topic of, her of problem. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it's amazing, though, that, you know, with uh, Hollywood being so incredibly liberal and their politics being so loud and um, hysterical that they haven't done more work on this side of things, to me. Yeah, I think it all comes down to money, and they, I think they assume that 
like societally really pretty and thin and, and sexy women are all people want to see. But a lot of times, especially as a woman going to a movie, I relate more to people who look a little bit more like me, you know. And so I think that they're struggling to grasp that. They're moving towards that way. But it'd be great if they'd hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> Get a move on, Hollywood. <laughs> well, <laughs> even the fashion industry, as you were mentioning, they don't have a real grasp on this because it went from plus size. What is the new one? It's like fabulous size. What's the new uh Hot button. Seriously, there's a new euphemism every right. year. We, we, your dad and I talked about it on the air a couple, like a couple months ago. They said they're no longer going to refer to it at this uh, chain as plus size. Uh, it's going to be oh. like fabulous. Do people not realize yeah. that every time you do that, that word becomes the same as the previous word? Right. So then yeah. you have to think up a new word over and over. Well, forever. I gotta tell you, well, I used, well, that was part of my reason for quitting my high school job because back in the day, I worked at Hollister and Abercrombie. Okay. And I, uh, there were so many moms or young ladies that would come up, because obviously it caters to the younger crowd. Mm-hmm. They would come up with a certain size, and I was like, oh, we do not carry that. Like, I don't even have it in the back. And it was just so oh. – to be that guy, I'm like, oh, my God, I hate myself right now. Like, Well, you know, you can handle it two ways, right? I'm sorry, we don't have that size. Or we don't cater to you. No, kind. I know. <laughs> even if I broke to them the first way, right. I mean, it was still like, oh, the look of disappointment. Here's what you do. You say, I just bought the last woman of those for my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, We're out. Well, I remember in high school, so many girls wore Hollister and Abercrombie and yep. stuff. And I I have always been, I was like a zero two in high school. And I didn't even fit into their clothes because they were so like, never tight. Even... And the zipper was, was like was... half an inch long. Yeah. Yeah. And it was I was so like, how, who, whose body is this for? Yeah. I, I don't even, even understand. I, I think had a hard time buying clothes when I was pre-adolescent. Yeah, and we've always oh, yeah. been like very skinny people. Yeah. And I was just like, these are so uncomfortable. Tim and I, I were doing we were doing our live events. We'll go all over the United States to these places. And people are always begging us, bring shirts. And we're like, okay. So we brought shirts. And then the women are like, can you get women's shirts? And we're like, sure. So we ordered women's shirts. And we went from, you know, small up to triple XL. Mm-hmm. And they delivered them. And I held up the triple XL and I said, Tim, I couldn't fit my thigh into this shirt. Really? And and they're like, yeah. And I said, how is this any? How is this good for women that this is your self concept? That and I'm not kidding you. I, I think I've got one. I'll bring it in. It fits my ten year old daughter who is not overweight. That's crazy. Yeah, that is well. And that was a double XL. Right yeah, yeah. Well, sizing women sizing is ridiculous. It's like you could go in and be like, I'm a four, and then. Like, H&M just had a big thing about how their sizing is so ridiculous. I remember shopping at H&M a few years ago, and I'm typically a two or a four, and I had to buy something in an eight because it just yeah. didn't. Yeah, sizes well, like, don't seem no, to mean anything. There's no regulation yeah. on the measurements of anything. Yeah, which is weird. you think eight would mean, like, you know, eight inches or centimeters they, or something, yeah, not I just, thought, like, the number eight. Yeah. I thought they had fit models that were supposed to be... Like I think they tried the that, size. and then well, they do. But I remember it was too hard. in college we talked about how they cut denim, and it's just a big stack of denim that they shove this big thing down, and so the top is the true size, and then it gets bigger and bigger at the bottom. So that's where you get your flares and your bell bottoms. <laughs> like everything gets kind of like misshapen, and so even though all of that is a size six or whatever. There's probably a two-size swing in that same oh. stack of cut denim. It's funny. This is the exact explanation that's played out in the Abercrombie book because mm-hmm. the only day worse than working Black Friday at the Mall of America, whether oh, it be Hollister God. or Abercrombie, oh, was the day after Christmas because there's so many <laughs> boyfriends, parents, siblings, whoever's getting girls' gifts. They okay. say, oh, I'm a size 6, size 2, whatever it is. Mm. They get that. 
they don't try it on and then they wait till Christmas Day, they open it, it doesn't fit, then the next day they're at the mall, all want a refund. I mean, there's just lines <laughs> of them. I'm like, oh, yeah. why am I on the register? Yeah, you guys yes. have it really easy. You just go and it's like yeah. a 32 yeah. waist and a 34 yep. oh, length really lot. Yeah. Oh my God. No, it is. No. It is so Amazon, much easier. You go to Amazon. It's Boom. so yeah. much easier. Don't order from Wish, though. I don't know what that is. Wish no, is like this no. big one they're pushing right now. I ordered. I just ordered a bunch of cool Beatles T-shirts. Mm. They fit my ten-year-old daughter and my wife, who are about the size of ten-year-olds. So the T-shirts do not have standardizations yeah. for men either. Even for men. Well, no. especially when you're ordering from China. Yeah, I think t- I might have been a yeah. A, yeah. A, quintuple size X. Yeah, the only <laughs> clothing item that I've ever seen that actually have like measurements is uh, pants, waist and inseam, and, that's and dress it. shirts. And dress shirts, too. Brittany, what do we do to start changing this? How do we get uh, stores and and fashion industry to start making a a change and realize that people are are different and we need to cater to everyone and not make it... uh, Oh, you're fabulous size. Can't we just say that, you know, this is, uh, well, these are the sizes. We don't have to give stupid especially fluffy names. Especially if 67% are... I think 67 is a little low. Really? Yeah. But, I mean, if, that, that's, yeah. if that's standard, then everybody else is abnormal. Exactly. <laughs> I, think, um, I think, you know, supporting the companies that are making these changes is huge. And, you know, um, and being vocally supportive about it, I think there was... So much outcry when it first started happening, you know, references to the obesity epidemic on every single comment thread. And now those are lessening because I think that they're seeing that the more supportive we could be of, especially women and young girls in their bodies, the better care we all take of them. You know, teaching somebody to love something is one of the most important things you can do. You take the best care of something you love. And I think that, you know, the more we support and high five the companies doing this, the better and just keep demanding more of the ones that aren't. You know, the problem with that, though. And I mean hmm. this in all sincerity is the fact that if you are a plus size person who's, you know, this this company, let's call it ABC Clothier, is making clothes now in your size and in your fashion, and you start promoting and, and talking about that, a lot of the people are very self-conscious and they feel like then they're pointing out, look, I finally found clothes that fit my fat body. And, and I think that that's probably why a lot of people are not real um, forthcoming in promoting when somebody is doing the right thing and making clothes that look good for everybody's size. Sure. I think whenever we can kind of take the stigma away of plus size being like inherently a negative word is a great thing. It doesn't bug me. It's how I know where to find clothes. And I think that um, maybe if we sort of give a little bit, I think there's a lot, bunch of people who can give more credit to it. If, if you tell me that this is going to fit me in my size, I'll buy it. And I don't care what you call it. I prefer you not call it something terrible, but yeah. if it fits me, <laughs> I'm going to buy it. And I think that um, giving the women credit for that, I think is something that, that we can do i think you'd be surprised maybe we need to change the names of the places that cater to that as well like the dress barn yeah dress barn yeah but i don't think that's a long plus size it was oh is it yeah it used to be plus i know my mom would go in in there and she she was built strangely she had the she had the top of uh, uh, a not a a heavy set person but then her keister spread out (laughs) so she was like i can't find clothes that fit me because it it was just a weird deal i know a very thin person that shops there all the time really yeah it must not just be plus size. Anymore. It must not be. Yeah. I don't know. But Yeah, but they've, they, you know, they're still the catering. That's not really a positive image to throw no, out there to people. No, name. yeah. And like I said, look at men. It's like big and tall store or husky. Yeah. <laughs> For kids. Yeah. Husky. And isn't it weird? Isn't it weird, Brittany, that right now they're saying kind of the normal and that what women are finding more attractive is the dad bod. But heaven forbid a woman's got that after baby glow and they're like, oh, man, what's wrong with her? And oh. it, it's a strange way that people... 
It is I could talk all day. You see it in movies. Like, I mean, you don't ever see, you know, Kevin James with somebody who's, you know, heavy. He always has, like, the hot wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, yeah. when you see a plus-size actress, they're sort of always paired with somebody who's pretty similar to their build or bigger. That's true. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a weird dynamic. Well, the exception being Mike Amali. Right. Yeah, both no, that's a, yeah, that's what she's... Right, yeah. Yeah, means. yeah they're matched yeah. to, yeah, to have that matched. kind of right. similar... Yeah. Yeah similar uh, building in there. Yeah, it's well, hopefully changes will continue to make, but I like your point. We've got to start celebrating the companies that are doing the right thing. Get the name out there so that your friends and relatives and friends of friends can know where to buy the clothes that'll make you feel better and, and uh, make you look better. And buy Brittany's book. Yeah, buy Brittany's book. Well, uh, I think we'll have a link up to the book as well. Thank you for stopping by and uh, visiting with us today, Brittany. Thank you so much. Great. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. I'm Dave Schrader filling in on the Tom Bernard Show.